Hello, 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 everybody. This is No Chick Flick. This is This is No Chick Flick Moments, and I am your co-host Remy, and I am your other co-host B. Hi B. Hi Remy. Hi guys. How excited are you for this episode? Pretty excited. <laughs> uh, we, I, 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 I have already told B and expressed to B at length about how excited I am. So, <laughs> um, but yes. Today, Tell us what episode are we on? Well, this week we're on episode season fourteen, episode seventeen. Game night. My heart. So much for game night. As yes. as, as Dean says really this And I have end of episodes thoughts on that too. Uh, oh really? Yeah. I remember we okay, so this is the beginning of the end. I I, I know that for some reason at the start of every episode <laughs> I feel the need to like comment on oh we're halfway there. Oh my gosh, episode 14 already? What time <laughs> is passing? <laughs> but here, here, no, really, guys, really. <laughs> here we go. Here, here is the go. kickoff. Yeah, this is. Uh, uh, oh shit! And, like we didn't even know. First time we were watching, we didn't even know. We, oh my god! Yes, yes. Uh so so today we are talking about our episode seventeen, and it was an episode written by Meredith Glynn and directed by uh, John F. Showalter. So okay, so the same guy who did la no. He also did episode seven. Which was the other Meredith episode? Unhuman Nature. Yes, it was. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm mean, like, I know I've stumbled over that name before. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he's not new. But um, the description for this episode is actually legible for once. And it reads, uh, Sam and Dean race to help a friend in need. Meanwhile, Mary is concerned for Jack's well-being and Castiel enlists help from an, I'm going to say a nail so many times, NIL to track down a miracle. So again, like my, my name illiteracy strikes again, but (laughs) (laughs) because, because I, I I have, I have, um, a nail stuck in my head, but it's it's NIL. So Mm -hmm. anyways, that is, uh, the, the description and, and we, (laughs) and we open up with, (laughs) we open up with a kitchen and and we see cookie dough and pasta and we have donatello singing singing in the rain is that what he's singing no raindrops keep falling on my head right that one (laughs) (laughs) yeah we come in with cookie dough on route to the oven and donatello is just humming up a tune and the front doorbell rings and he has to kind of extract himself from this baking process he's been in. And he's a little bit harried by the time he gets to the door. And when he opens it, there is an unknown person who turns out to be an assailant. He busts in and ties Donatello up on the dining room table. And Donnie is caterwauling as a silver <laughs> syringe is injected into his neck. Remy, what were your thoughts? Sure. <laughs> That's some 
choice word choice right there. I do try and be poetic, but <laughs> it's also very, like, harried writing it down as I'm watching. So. Uh, uh, oh, Looks- my notes say cookies and pasta injection mystery exclamation point. <laughs> so that's that's my thoughts well well so 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 this um visitor at the door we see donatella open the door but we don't see we never see the face of this visitor it's just a no do i know you or can i help you and it's this um i don't know caucasian guy he's in a suit um my first thought was Angel, honestly. I mean, yeah. it was just, I, I don't know. I mean, we don't know anything about him. We just see, like, the really sharp, he's very sharply dressed. Uh, but I I don't know if I knew that Nick was in this episode, but I think we did. And, and when Donnie opens the door, I was confused, right? Because I, I think I was expecting Nick, but it didn't ping to me as Nick, so. The only thing that I picked up during this to try and place who this guy was, was when um, the syringe was going into Donatello's neck, you got a shot of the assailant's hands and there was a wedding ring on there. And I'm like, hmm, there's only one that I really can think of that Uh pings in my mind as I always see this guy with a wedding ring. But this is Nick, dirty, ugly tan t-shirts and dad jeans Nick. Like, I couldn't, I just couldn't picture it. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, we're starting off on this high beat of what uh-huh. the fuck is going on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the next scene, it really changes pace. We have Dean steadfast and determined trying to get the board game Mousetrap to work. And he's kicking that boot repeatedly, but it is just not connecting with the bucket and he huffs an annoyed breath. I, it's like a blast straight back to fucking 1999, honestly. <laughs> I was like, this board game version was a lot more vintage than the one that I had growing up. But yeah, really? there was a really, oh yeah. But I just basically sympathize with Dean's struggle to get this thing to work because the plastic pieces were so precarious that you're like, please, for the love of God, do not let this thing stop midway. I want to catch those goddamn rats. <laughs> this damn board game never, ever fucking worked. And and from what I saw, I didn't look at the board too closely, but the pieces of the contraption itself, um, mm-hmm. it definitely looked like, like I said, blast back to the past the 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 version of the game that uh, my family owned probably opened three times never fucking worked <laughs> so we just packed it up and stuck to monopoly and clue after that but oh man monopoly <laughs> that's brutal i was game of life and i like wanted to have two minivans full of kids crossing that finish line because you could hand them in for 15 grand a piece <laughs> I, uh, what? Who fucking. We had Operation, and that game gave me so much anxiety. Like, I couldn't oh fucking play god, it. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> that one was a spookums. I think I had a babysitter who had that, and I was like, keep that in the box in the basement, because that's the devil's work. I was, I was a clue master, though. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd take you on any day. <laughs> Yeah, so now in the kitchen, Jack is popping popcorn and Mary grabs 
beer and pretzels and I couldn't tell was it like Cheetos? Cheetos. Oh, there's okay. only there's only one thing in the world that's that orange. No, that no, no. There's Cheez-Its. But then I was trying to place them. I'm like, do Americans have Cheez-Its? What? Wait. Cheez-Its are-, are the better version of Cheetos. I said it right here, right now. Cheez-Its are Cheez-Its. I mean, your Cheez-Its are our Cheez-Its, right? They're like the little square cheddar crackers. What the fuck? No. Oh, my God. Cheez-Its are like, they look like, I don't know. As a child, I was like, this is a small caveman's club. They're just these long pieces of cheese. And I'm assuming some sort of corn byproduct. And they're fucking delicious. Oh, my God. I'm losing my goddamn mind. (laughs) This is the cereal saga all over again. We're going through all the food products and we're realizing what is only regional. (laughs) The the fucking, what were your cookies? And I... The decadence cookies from episode 16, yeah, uh-huh. uh-huh. from last week. Yeah, and I said, are they like Chips Ahoy? And you said, the fuck? <laughs> God, no. Oh, we have Chips Ahoy. That's why I'm like, they're not the same. We do have that categorized. Um, a distinction there. I, oh, I'm uh, looking it up, and it's we call them cheesies, and Cheez-Its are not sold in Canada. Oh, so you lied to me. I did not. We call them Cheez-Its. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyways. I just, yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry my enunciation is so terrible. I I, I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> um, We have this whole bowl of, of, of uh, we have popcorn, we have pretzel, pretzels, we have cheese, Cheetos. Indeterminate cheese it's product. It's fucking America. I'm going with Cheetos. And, um, I'll give it to you. I, even though it's filmed in Canada, so yeah. So Mary says, uh, "You think this is enough?" And Jack says, "Yeah, I think so." And then from the distance, we hear a "Son of a bitch!" Yes, Dean is just swearing, and I'm feeling so seen in the show. Like, yep, that's the correct reaction to uh-huh. those trap. Yes, exactly. So Mary's idea was for them to stay in tonight and try and relax, you know, go back with this vintage board game that (laughs) she knows that was Dean's favorite as a kid. And she's taking a moment to ask how Jack's doing, too. You know, is he feeling better? We're family. It's our job to worry about you. And Jack just doesn't seem very... He doesn't want to embrace this moment. You know what struck me about this line so uh, mary says we're family it's our job to worry about you and jack with a smile says well it's annoying and kind of you know tries to walk away but you know you could read it as a sarcastic petulant teenager but i really read it as jack didn't let his mask drop it's like he kept that same tone and smile, but he voiced what he was, you know, really feeling while keeping on that mask of, I'm fine, affability. I felt like it was a two going on 20 moment because I uh, felt like it was more of a teenager thing to do. I'm like, oh, baby's growing up. But I yeah. mean, we talked last episode about biases involved with <laughs> the interpretations. And I sit solidly on one side, I feel. I'm glad that you can bring more perspective. I mean, I 
I don't want to just let the narrative like bully me into a certain way of thinking because I know what the show wants me to think, but I want to, you know, reach it on my own. Um, but I, with Jack here, I mean, with this line, Mary gets really concerned. We see in her that she's like, okay, that's not normal. And, and I think I, as a viewer was kind of sitting, kind of sitting in the same place. I didn't look at it, look on it with too much suspicion. Um, I, I just thought it was Jack being Jack really, but. I felt like it was a moment I mean, maybe I'm expounding too much on it, but Mary hasn't ever raised teenagers or been around teenagers. Like her, <laughs> her kids, like we talked about two going on 20, well, two going on 40. Like uh-huh. she hasn't had experience with that age group and kind of what recalcitrance can be there when, okay, no, I don't want to talk about it and I don't want you to try and talk to me about it. Like, don't bring it up. We don't want it on the plate at all. And your worry still sits there and you just don't. No one here seems to have experience with what to do in this situation. They're all making it up on the go and it's not necessarily for the better what decisions they land on. Well, Mary doesn't have the experience, and and she is thrown off by this, but um, she does rally well, right? Where yes. she turns, like I said, Jack tries to walk away, and Mary kind of calls him back and says, Jack, if you ever want to talk or vent, you know, she she went total, like, cool aunt, right? Yeah, she softened her approach immediately. So there was good instincts there. It's just yeah. no muscle memory. Right. And you and you do I do see, you know, if you do want to just read what he is how he's acting and what he said as as uh this build up of of teenage frustration then she came to him in a kind of a okay a casual you know i can be your cool aunt i can be your outsider from this stifling family yeah if you don't want me to worry well i can be here as an ear to you yeah. And I, I found it really interesting that when she says this, Jack, his face was so placid. And then he schools it. Yeah. That all, he turns around and he looks more smiley and like himself. And so really, that was the moment where I was like, okay, is what is going on with Jack right now? Was that just... He is letting the mask slip. He was being irritated and then deciding, no, that's going to make them worry more. Ergo, I'm going to put on the smiling chipper to try and convince them. Like, this family is fucking versed in put a mask on, slap a band-aid on that shit, and keep moving. Yeah, exactly. Where he kind of turns around to face Mary and we really do see him putting that smile back on. Um, It just validated what I thought in his first line or that one line where he said, well, it's annoying, but he still had that, you know, he still had that smile on. He still had that. I'm fine. Um, Except that it's becoming more of a struggle now. Uh huh. Uh huh. And then, and then when that kind of caused Mary to come at him again, he, he did firmly put that mask back on and say, you're here for me. I know. And then we're fine. Everything's fine. We walk into the war room. Yeah. 
And so when they arrive, Dean announces, okay, game night is a go. We just are waiting for Sam to return with the pizzas. And there's a jab here about pineapple. (laughs) Yeah, we're getting two pepperoni meat blasters and a pineapple. And Jack's just like, I like it. Yeah, but Dean is firmly on the side where it is, quote unquote, a crime against humanity. I was going to say an abomination, but... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mary hands Dean his cell. She notices that there's a missed call on it. And so he is listening to it right off the bat. And he's growing more worried the longer that this voicemail is going on. Mary and Jack are watching him. They're growing worried too. And so Dean puts it on speakerphone. And here we find out it is Donatello who had called. And not only that he called, but he's calling for help, followed by a recitation in a foreign language. Yeah, I didn't even notice that it was Donatello that slipped into the foreign language. I thought it was a new voice, but uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, it is it is both Donatello. I thought that it was the kidnapper like imparting a message, but it <laughs> it is Donatello who is both um asking for help and he goes incoherent in in the end with this uh monotone recitation of something in a foreign language. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it's it's uh, so troubling. much troubling. <laughs> yeah, it's troubling to say the least. Man, and then we have Dean he he hangs up the phone. He's like, all right, we're going. Um, and well, right off the bat, he tries calling Sam, but yeah. he has no bars. It's going to voicemail. So he and Mary are going to go check it out. And they're leaving Jack there to inform Sam when he gets back. Yeah. Dean leaves his phone with the message on it so that Sam can hear it firsthand. Exactly. And they're straight out the door, straight jumping into action. And, oh, I felt so bad as as, we exit the scene. Dean is exiting the war room and we see the the game boards and the snacks on the war table. And he says- Game chips uh-huh. and the cards sitting there. I was like, oh my god, what it would be to be a fly on the wall there. <laughs> and he says, so much for game night. And yeah, we cut away. <laughs> yeah, we, we know already that the Winchesters can't have nice things. And that apparently includes the terrible stress of mousetrap. I'm, I'm beating my, my legs right now. Like, let them have <laughs> nice things. <laughs> so... We cut to the snowy exterior of this place called Cindy's Wafflette, and Anael enters, cringing at the folksy locale as she approaches well, Castiel's table. But be snow. You love snow. I know, snow. it's so pretty. Look at the snow. And I'm like, it's so unusual for Vancouver to get snow that sticks, but... In the later scene when they're outside the warehouse, it's like, mm, they would have filmed this on day one, this one on day two, because you can see the melt in between. But I digress. Oh my god. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not laughing at you, I'm laughing with you. No, no, no. You're like, my god, <laughs> this is where the attention of this girl goes. Like, <laughs> I'm like, it. yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, Sydney's Wafflelet. We yes. have this slow country... Really old, twangy. Uh Yeah. And Cass has strawberry waffles and a smirk as Anael approaches. (laughs) He has lured her here with this promised gift, which is Burmese blood rubies from the 16th century. They're only lightly cursed. 
And but nothing an angel can't handle. Yes. I like that little line. Like, just the thought that, okay, there's this level of the world where they're like, okay, that just doesn't phase me. Uh-huh. Like, what other things out there where they're like, okay, yeah, this apartment's haunted. Anyways, I'm fine with it. Like, <laughs> Anyways. And it turns out that this isn't a gift, but it's an exchange. Cass needs her help to contact God. Yeah, and and at first, and I all just scoffs like, yeah, fat fucking chance. Yeah, good luck, Chuck. Uh huh, uh huh, good luck, Chuck. But but Cass says you forget that I knew you before you got demoted. I I know who you are. You were Joshua's right hand, and this is the first time we're hearing this. Yeah, uh, you were Joshua's trusted apprentice. Uh. It before you got demoted, as he says. And as you know, and as, you know, as I know, and as you know, God spoke to only one person, and that was Joshua. Yes. And so he figures that she must know the way to contact God. But she really wants to know why. Like, what's the deal? Why is this now? Yeah. And so the thing that Cass spins here is just that Jack killed Michael, burning off his soul, and they're just not sure how much. And since all the lore says only God can restore a soul, we need to talk to God. Right, right. And Nial kind of sits back in her seats and she gives uh, Cass a speculative look and says, the Winchesters don't know about this, do they? And and then Cass sits back in his seat and gives uh, NIL a speculative look and uh, says, now what makes you say that? And we haven't even talked about fucking Misha and Daniil. Yes. They're, oh my gosh. It's a delight to see them in scenes together. There's so much chemistry there. They're, they're playing off of each other so well in this scene and in all the scenes that they have together. And, and it's so fun. It's just fun fun i don't know They're- yeah it's a gift to us the viewers to see them working together because daniel has such a great energy and it's like you say the chemistry that they have with each other is just off the charts uh-huh uh-huh and also on Cass as a major player in this uh, game that is supernatural and a character that that we love to see but don't actually you know get big character moments out of we just had peace of mind where we had tons of Cass centric yeah it was very cast centric and we had Cass as not just this like one-dimensional support character and here i don't know there's just something i don't know if it's misha or i don't know if it's the writers as they're writing Cass, but i i don't think that we've ever talked about it in this you know um show because they have been utilizing Cass a lot but I know it's a running joke on Twitter and Tumblr that the uh, a, a supernatural writers tend to sit on their thumbs when it comes to Cass as a character and all that they could do with Cass as a character. Yes, just the sheer amount of potential that his character has, and then you see what shows up on screen. Yeah, and um, and here we have Cass as a character, which is, seems like a low bar, but <laughs> I'll take it. But- Exactly. We're soaring over it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, so Anael points out that Sam and Dean mustn't know that Cass is doing this because he just seems to be a lone wolf in this moment. And you can see that hits a note with him. And when pressed, she refuses to help, saying that communication with God was one way. But when Cass takes back the earrings, she amends it with a rumor. (laughs) Josh Uh called God and was answered one time. She wasn't there, but she knows someone who was, and she offers to take Cass to them. And I wonder... Gosh, we get so much, like, behind-the-scenes angel... World-building. World-building in this, because a lot of this is talking about the fall, and um, she says that it was during the fall that he made this call and he was answered. And I'm like, was he? And what did... Because we got this, like, in-season... Let's call it eight. Um, I'm never right, but we'll call it eight. Um... (laughs) We had we we had um, those warring factions of angels on Earth who, after the fall, they were um, divided in these gangs, and then they were like fighting for I don't even know what dominance, <laughs> but. <laughs> But but I do I do wonder like we had thousands of angels fall and and did they establish some sort of like network? But I don't know. It's yeah, just, what were the lives that they led in these moments? It's so fun to think about, and it's fun that we have two angels sitting here and we're getting that glimpse into it. Yeah, higher, like you said before, with those cursed earrings, this sort of, um... They're part of the world, but they're detached from it. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, we, um, Joshua uh, made this call, and she can take him to the one person who might know how he did it. Yes. So the next scene we have Sam terse on the phone with Dean. He's upset that Dean has left to Donatello's <laughs> without him. But Dean says that Donatello sounded possessed while he was talking. But Sam goes, no, no, it wasn't Enochian. It was more like ancient Hebrew. So he and Jack are going to investigate this in the bunker, but Mary and Dean better watch their backs while they're going to investigate. Right. We have Jack and Sam at the bunker, but we have Dean and Mary en route. And they're in the Impala. It's it's night out, and we get off of this phone call, uh, and Dean just says, oh, Sam seems pretty stressed. Yeah, there was a really nice transition between these two scenes, because we started with Sam, and then we had the phone call end and we transitioned over to Dean and Mary. And if Sam sounds stressed, Mary points out that they all sound stressed, like Dean included in this, Jack included too. And then Mary gets a little introspective as she says that. And she says, she apologizes. She says, I'm sorry. I haven't been around much. And Dean shuts it down. He's, uh, this, uh, how did you feel about this Impala scene? Oh, well, I really thought the first thing that I pinged on was her saying that she wishes she could do something, that she feels helpless. And it brought me back to the fact that, you know, she might be their mother, but she never had their chance really to be mothering to them. And so these skills that muscle memory we're talking about just hasn't yeah. been acquired. And so she sits here and she can see that there's a problem, but the approaches that she 
takes with it just doesn't seem to connect on a level where she sees help being provided to her family. So that was the first thing that I picked up from. And then the second thing, it's like you're saying, she said that she just wishes she could have been there more. Like she feels absent. She feels like she's closed off and cold. But Dean is saying that, you know, that's where I get it from. He's using mirth. He's using humor. He's making a connection between himself and Mary to solidify like, you know, that's okay. I'm the same way. And it brought me so strongly back to the one line in, um, and I will never, I will never remember an episode's name, but let's with pictogram the, this, which one with the, with a Malik box, with the cabin, when he went to visit Mary and he uh, delivered that, oh, two horrible cooks in the kitchen. What could go wrong when Mary said, you know, I'm not much of a cook. And he commiserated with her, even, you know, at the expense of himself, even though, I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't mind kind of putting himself down to put another person up or to just say, hey, we're sitting in the same boat. You kind of feel bad. Well, I'll sit there with you. Yeah, exactly. And I don't read it as... It, I, I try not to read it as him putting himself down because I, I think don't that he think means it's there, it yeah. positively. You know, he's just... It, it's exactly as you said. It's, it's, it's his way of saying, like, I'm going to sit here with you on, uh, and it's okay. I'm going to normalize your stress, you know, or yeah. what you're stressing about. And yeah, like, I'm. it's actually, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's It's a really effective way of disarming the kind of isolation you feel when you feel like you've let someone down. You go, no, you're not isolated because I'm right there with you. And I don't know. It's just Dean slash Jensen. I hate you. I love you. Let's move on. (laughs) Woof. Yes. And um, so Mary is just kind of airing her own insecurities out here. She's, as you said, she's saying, I know I've been distant. I know I haven't been here. I know I've been cold. She's been, you know, out in that cabin in the woods for the past however many months. And she's been struggling this whole season with like shitty men. Yeah. No offense to apocalypse versus bobby but first he seems to kind of disappear on her in that episode 11 i was wrong saying nihilism was 11 before it was 10 oh okay um but she's been struggling with the people in her life and they kind of go off and john came back briefly and i can only imagine the level of emotions that came with that and she goes off on her own to deal with it again and she comes back and sees that everyone's struggling Exactly. They are also struggling. So I feel like she's having a moment of, well, how come we got to do this alone? Like, how come we can't connect? Yeah, yeah. But Dean in this scene, um, I I know I paused this scene a couple of times just to take notes and and just by the fucking gods. Every time I paused this scene, it was on fucking Jensen his face <laughs> so soft and I hate it. 
He's just so endeared. And yeah, Mary just needs Dean to know that she's grateful for every day she gets to spend with them. And I know the first time I watched this, this conversation just passed me by. But Mary here, um, you pointed out it really feels like a goodbye. Well, okay, I'm not going to say that yet. But I know that when I was watching this episode, like fucking cold. This is this is what the episode airs at seven, and this is seven fucking ten on a Thursday <laughs> night. And I'm I, I there is nothing to this episode yet, and I'm watching this scene, and I'm just like, uh, Mary, uh, uh, uh Mary, you do are you, you, are doing? you sure your pants are already? <laughs> what what you doing, babe? What's <laughs> no? I think I even messaged you on Discord. Uh, to say like uh, I'm side eyeing this scene right here. What is happening? Mm-hmm. And then I don't. I can't even feel validated with the end of this episode because I'm like, no. oh fuck. Yeah, no, we won't touch on it now. But it does. It's a really poignant conversation that's going between them, and it could, on first viewing, just be kind of a light airing between the two of them, and then you go, oh shit, with hindsight. No, no, it was not. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like I said, I, 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 you heard it here first, folks, because because when I first saw this scene, I thought, I don't know, I thought it was, uh, it was a bit heavy for the you know mood of the episode so far. Yeah, but, and I was sitting here like an idiot, just chewing popcorn, like, oh yeah, this is fine. Oh, the, oh this is cute. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Dean, it's sweet. <laughs> yeah. Family bonding. Oh, oh fuck, this never bites us. <laughs> no, but but the the last thing is that you know, um, Mary said, "I'm sorry that I haven't been there, but every day that I have with you, I'm so grateful for it." And, um, and I can do better like I, I i felt like i read this conversation as her saying and and i want to do better and yeah and i feel that i'm needed and i won't run away again yeah um but the first thing the very first thing that dean says before all this was mom you're here that's enough yes and it's kind of a, you know we've heard this from him before but it, he's just again so soft he sets such simple needs, and yeah. if she meets them, then he's golden. Like, everything after that is gravy. And I don't view it as a low bar I, I, I on Dean's side of thing. I just view it as he g- is genuinely grateful, and he just is very content with his family, and he is happy and and he doesn't see these failings that mary sees in herself and he expresses it so simply and surely and uh, we believe him yeah and we've mentioned before but dean's just someone who likes to hold his family close he likes them he likes to know that they're going to touch base they're going to check in at the end of the day and so really that's what he needs yeah. Yeah. Next scene. <laughs> we have a quick glimpse with Sam and Jack in the bunker. They are re-listening to Donnie's message and Sam's transcribing, but a section of this ancient Hebrew he really picks up on and he points out a verse from the Bible being Peter 5, 8, where it essentially boils down to your adversary, the devil, is seeking whom he may devour on earth. 
So it's right. this coded warning from Donatello having to do with the devil on Earth. And we're like, well, fuck, here is that <laughs> looming Lucifer shadow creeping up on us again. And, you know, I didn't actually think about it like that before, that it was Donatello delivering a warning. Yeah, it's hard for us to tell, yeah. Yeah, not imparting this menacing message. He, he no, he he's he's trying to warn them. So I, I like that. I like that, that Donatello is uh, not just, you know, the damsel in distress. Yeah, he's not just the plot device. <laughs> so the next scene we have Mary and Dean approaching Donatello's house. They're scouting out the interior, calling out for him. Um, they also hear him calling back, but it's when they get into the dining room that they see a phone that is spitting out a recording of Donatello's screaming for them. Yeah. Yeah. And they quickly draw their guns on Nick, who appears in the kitchen. He is exiting with an apron on, and he seems so chummy, he goes, oh, good, you made it. It's the same apron that uh, Donatello was wearing yep. when he was baking. I mean, I was, I, you know what? I'm, I was very disappointed that um, uh, I'm gonna default to Lucifer. It's not fucking Lucifer. Um, <laughs> that Nick uh, didn't walk out in that apron with a finished tray of fresh cookies. I, I, right? so, I so wanted it to happen. I mean, but. it would make sense because at the point where they get here, it's probably been a couple hours like we uh, haven't really placed where donatello lives have we <laughs> no we but haven't i think i think we did when we first introduced donatello but okay i don't i don't okay. know yeah <laughs> i haven't seen that yet but we'll figure it out but yeah i just imagine nick after he's like finished hog tying donatello <laughs> and injecting him and then he walks in the kitchen like oh cookies and oh. then just eats all of them <laughs> jesus no would. leftovers for you <laughs> Um, but but if there's anything we know about Nick is that he loves to be fucking smarmy. So I definitely would would not have been surprised if he came out like cookie. Oh, I know he has dramatic bitch disease, and it's surprising it didn't crop up here. Exactly. Well, it didn't pop up. That's what I was gonna say. He walks in. He like fucking cocks a hip and says, "Oh, hi guys. Fuck you, like, Nick. Oh, welcome home. Like, oh my god, yeah." But Mary and Dean have no time for this. They cuff Nick, they question where is Donatello, and Nick is just being flippant in a very controlled way, and he answers the lingering question of why he's not in a jail cell as sort of a funny story. Like, okay, cool, murder is on that level. And again, I sit there, I'm like, he kicked a man to death with his injured leg. Bum leg, leg, barefooted. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, Mary (laughs) checks out the house. She returns with a syringe that she found in the trash. And Nick keeps calling her Mama Bear, which, ugh. I mean, um, literally, I'm I'm sorry, but my notes just say Nick being as Lucy as possible. Yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, Mark P. uh, I just, I just wanted some, like, differentiation between Lucifer and Nick. You know, well, at this point, isn't Nick 
basically saying, like, there's a scene that is coming, but he says that being a vessel changes you, like, you're never the same afterwards. And so I really feel like, even if it's not necessarily who he was, at this point, he is... He's committed, exactly. He wants to be Lucifer again, and so he is committing to what his perception of Lucifer is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I had the same thought, and I'll, I'll roll. I will roll with that. Okay. Yeah. So Dean is questioning Nick some more, and Nick replies that he injected Donatello with thallium, giving him less than a day before organ failure sets in. And Mary asks the perfect question of just, why? <laughs> she looks so bewildered by it. And Nick says, basically, it was for attention. Like, he yeah. was attacking who he perceives as their friend. They don't have a lot of them. So, you know, yeah. it kind of puts Donatello as an obvious mark on the radar. And and he needed their attention. And Dean turns to Mary and says, I'm not buying a word of this. He's fucking yeah. cracked, you know? Dean calls bullshit. Yeah, he does. And uh, Nick gives a shrug and he says, check the phone. And Dean does. And Nick directs him to the live stream. Yeah, he has a live stream prepped on his own phone. And we see on screen Donatello bound and gagged in this basement somewhere. And Nick is just like, Mr. Policeman, you have all the clues. You can save (laughs) him if you can find him. Oh, my God. Yes. And Dean just fucking puts on the phone. He nods to himself. He pulls his gun and shoves it in Nick's face and says, tell us where he is. And Nick, again, just very controlled. He says, shoot me. What do I have to live for? Fucking do it. But if I die he dies yeah and so mary changes tactics yeah. she starts asking what he wants you know what's the leverage that we can work with here and nick summarizes it i just want to talk yeah just want to talk and oh my Leave god it on that note which everyone's fucking done with this conversation including honestly me. yeah i'm like watching dean and he just has like this dead-eyed look as Nick is talking. He's just like, when will this man shut up? Like, when can we just get the answers we need and move on from his existence? Yeah. (sighs) Cass. Orlando's Emporium. Yes. We see the silver truck that Cass has, and he pulls up outside of this Orlando's Emporium. And he and Anael step inside, where there's this youngish dude writing, I'm assuming, like, just... Dear diary, like, what's I, he doing here? I this thought it was time a log. I thought it was a log. It could be a ledger. I also know absolutely nothing about Methuselah as we introduce him. Yes, and I just know very little. I know that he's known for his longevity in the Bible, and he's like the grandpa to Noah. Oh, really? Something like a great, 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 great grandkid of Adam and Eve, like. He lived 969 years, apparently. So that's what they're playing with with this guy. Because Uh he's a youngish dude, but he talks like an old, I've seen everything, I've done everything, like there's no way you can impress me type Uh of guy. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, yes, he is very unimpressed with these two angels that stalk up to his desk and demand to know uh, how exactly Joshua contacted God. 
Yeah. Cass calls themselves friends of Joshua, but Methuselah says he had no friends. And Anael, except you sheltered him after the fall. And I just have in my notes here, they were roommates. (laughs) (laughs) They were roommates. Methuselah's like, he made a great lasagna. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, we just lived together. I don't know anything. And They were roommates. And they were roommates. And um, they try to drop the bomb. Methuselah says, oh, I don't know anything. Why don't you ask Joshua? And Aniel says, oh, well, he's dead. And Methuselah just shrugs. <laughs> like, yeah, like, oh, oh well. Oh, oh. But... But um, Cass gets the, he gets his growly face on and he says. Yeah, he escalates the threats here. Uh Uh-huh. He says, you will tell me or I will uh, burn. He drops the like burn you to ash line again. Yeah, Uh, burn this place to the ground. I'm like this emporium full of dusty garbage, basically. And we get the glowy eyes and, um. Methuselah doesn't even look up from his ledger. He's just like, a kid, do you know how old I am? I said he's a literal millennial, as in like (laughs) thousands of years old and also like, oh, mood, as soon as someone's threatening to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) He says, feel free to look around. It's in there somewhere. Yeah. This this he, method by which Joshua contacted or attempted to contact God. Yeah, and as far as Methuselah knows, he calls it a thingamajig. And you guys are angels, right? You'll know it when you see it. Uh-huh. So let the eye spy hunt begin. We, uh, oh my God. Probably my favorite scene of the episode, just because... Just this next scene. We um, have this slow motion i don't even know if slow motion does it justice but we have this like slow pointedly slow yeah yeah um convict march down the bunker hallway where we have dean and mary flanking nick and dean is guiding nick down the hallway in the bunker and then we turn the corner and there is sam and jack and the second that Sam sees Nick, his face just transforms into this just like vicious, it's a viciousness, but yeah, he just contorts with rage. Yes, exactly. It's, it's this pure hard anger and Sam charges at Nick, seizes him and throws him against the wall and just wants so badly to end what Sam feels he started by extending that hand of, by making the mistake of extending that hand of hospitality and forgiveness and redemption and second chances to Nick. Yes. Oh, exactly. And Dean is the one who pulls Sam off, saying, not now, not yet. And Sam storms off, leaving Mary and Jack to exchange looks as Dean hauls Nick away. It was just, it was just the perfect slow-mo. 
And and Jared knocked it out of the park with his reaction. And I was, uh, I really appreciate, I really appreciated this scene. I don't know. Yeah. It was needed for a character catharsis, I think, because Sam was left so upset in episode 11 when Nick was being taken away. He was sitting there with questions like, why? Why did you do this? I don't feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for the people you killed. And here he is. Like, he's not done with Nick. We thought that he was arrested and he was going to go rot in jail. And this fucker has gone and kidnapped one of their friends and injected him with poison and has locked him in a basement. Like, let's slam his face into the wall here because at this point, emotions are just so high. Yeah, Sam thought that he was sending Nick's a- Nick away to face his justice, to face his crimes. Um, and now here he is, smug as a fucking fox. Yeah, like, because we didn't mention, but like Nick's face in that moment, he kind of does this little shrug and like, what can you do type look on his face. And yeah. I mean, if I was Sam, I would probably want to knock that look off too. I mean, we have said since episode one how much um, Sam has been struggling with the fact that this face that he's looking into is his tormentor of Lucifer. Uh, Yes. And trying to extend good graces to him, knowing that Nick is not the same as Lucifer. And yet here is Nick trying to be the same as Lucifer. Yep. And to have it blow up in his face so spectacularly, it's... um, Again, I appreciate this scene, so. Yes. So we go to the war room where Sam is asking what kind of game Nick is playing. And I'm like, game night. Oh, no! (laughs) Dean points out that Nick has seen too many serial killer movies. Like, he's pulling from the Hannibal Lecter. I can think of Angel when Angelus was locked in the jail cell. Like, it's all of those vibes of I'm smug, I'm better than you, I have all the answers, and I don't care who dies. And Nick would have known Donatello thanks to Lucifer, and so it raises a question there. Mary wonders whether or not, okay, so is Lucifer in the game again? Like, how would Nick have found out if not for Lucifer? So there's immediately a kind of threat of, is Lucifer out there? Yeah, yeah. And then Sam says, well, what does he want? Or Mary, maybe Mary says, so what does he want, though? That That yeah. is the question. Mary kind of cuts through all the speculation and just yeah. says, like, Donatello's on the clock here. Like, we need to do something. Right. So Sam points out, well, we know the antidote to thallium. It's Prussian blue. We have it here. And we can use the live feed maybe to track the location, but we just don't have enough time necessarily to gamble on Sam hacking it. It would take time and maybe more time than we have. You know, it's already been, I would assume, eight hours. And and they they know they only have 24. Yeah. give or take again yeah. we're like so freaking like 90s uh, 90s oh i've injected you with a slow acting poison that well yeah yeah but but mary says what does he want and dean says let's find out we'll go have a talk right yeah. if he wants to talk then let's talk yeah sam is all too ready agreeing to this <laughs> but dean pushes him back and like pushes him and uh, I mean, Dean just says, no, you're going to stay here. 
because one wrong look and you'll fucking kill our one lead just because you can. Yeah. Your head's not in the game right now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, Sam initially looks kind of affronted by it, but he doesn't argue it, you know? Yeah. And I think that it makes sense to him on a mental level, if not an emotional one. Like, the emotional one is still, yeah. like, how dare you exclude me? Like, you exclude me from going and getting Donatello. Now I'm being told I have to sit this part out, too. But it's all just the high tempers. It's not actually something that would upset him. It it goes, like Mary said, they're all stressed. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I don't even know if Sam said anything in response to what Dean was saying because I was too distracted by the hair. Because <laughs> uh, I fucking wish I had hair as good as uh, Jared's. It, it was kicking it, this scene. Oh, I know. Yeah. We we have we have Dean saying, "Look, your head's not in the right place right now. You need to sit this one out. Let me take care of it." And um, and Dean Dean gives this parting look to Mary before he goes, and oh, really? I felt like it was like a little cue of like he looked to Mary and then he looked to Sam, and it was once he was gone, Mary went up to Sam, and I yeah. think it was to almost comfort him. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And and I like that, again, it's just the, we have seen so many, um, I don't know what to call it, I guess combinations of relationships within the Winchester core. It's just, we've seen a lot of um, kind of the handing off of that baton. Yeah, we're seeing more of these character developments, these relationships than just the Sam and Dean show. Yeah. And it's really refreshing because it helps you feel the network that these characters live in. Yeah. And Mary comes to Sam and that's when Sam kind of lets it go. He 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 expresses why he's been so frustrated. He Yeah, he vents to his mom. Yeah, he says, uh, it's all this this is all on me. This is all my fault. All those people he killed, everything that's happened, it's it's on me because I was the one who gave him that second chance. I I don't know what I was thinking, but but yeah, Mary and, and even when he left Nick in the custody of police officers, like he left him in the mundane world if you want to put it that way. And then a police officer died, more people died. And yeah. so he just feels like all of his decisions around Nick are wrong. Yeah. And Mary uh, you know, Mary says you didn't do anything wrong. You weren't in the wrong. You are a good man and you just did what you thought was right. And yeah. and you always do what you think is right and you have to follow your heart and it's because of that that I'm, you know, I'm I'm really proud of you and I always am and always will be. Or I don't know what she said, but yeah, she's she's pointing out this relationship that they all seem to struggle with, which is that like other people's choices are other people's choices. Yeah, Nick's choices are his own, and even if he didn't deserve a chance, as they find out later, Sam was still a kind enough man to give him a chance. He thought that Nick deserved a chance at a normal life, and. 
you didn't know. Mary's just like, you didn't know. Yeah. And it's not an excuse, but it's sympathy that she's providing him there. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. My notes just say, I'm so proud of you. And then in all caps, I hate my life. Because, <laughs> because it's just, I don't know. It's all these Winchester feels. I'm tired of them. I'll throw them out. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Remy, I have bad news for who's the like main cast and characters of the show. <laughs> I'm only 17 episodes in and I've wrung that rag dry. Just wait for next week. No. <laughs> uh, so, so, but no, it, it is a really, it is a really good moment because, um, again, talking about those relationships that we don't shine light on too often, uh, we do get this one-on-one between Mar- Mary and Sam. Yeah. And it is kind of the bookend that goes with Mary's scene with Dean earlier this episode. Both of the boys have got a chance to speak with her one-on-one. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to like. Yeah, so don't. Into, okay. <laughs> so don't. Okay. Let me think of what a nice scene it was between mother and son. It was really cute. Okay, and Let's then the next move scene. On. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have Cass and Anael, and yes. talk about really cute. Okay, so they're so they're searching through this this warehouse of fucking. It's a thrift store, basically. And it's a really grungy warehouse that wishes it was a thrift store. <laughs> okay, okay, better, better description. Um, <laughs> and we have uh, our focus in, is initially on uh, Nil, who is just like fucking elbows tucked into her ribs, like don't touch anything. Yeah. She's playing a game of operation in which she is like the little stick <laughs> trying to navigate through the lines. Uh-huh. She's like, ew, 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 ew. And so they're walking through these stacks, basically, and um, these aisles and aisles of junk. And Cass is, is searching. He's digging in. But... Yeah, he's indiscriminate about picking things up and blowing uh-huh. dust off of it. Uh-huh. And he has this doll in his hands that he blows along the cap of it and it upsets Aniel because her mulberry silk outfit is going to get damaged. Right, right. She's like, dust? Grime? Uh, fucking the air I'm breathing is... Uh, yeah, do I look like Mr. Clean? No, I don't belong here. <laughs> exactly. And Cass just rolls his eyes and he says, suck it up. Methuselah said that we would know what we were looking for, or we would know when we saw it, so we're gonna fucking look for it. And yeah. and he dusts off the uh, flashlight and tries to hand it to Nil. And uh, this is my favorite Daniil moment in the episode. She just looks at it and looks at Cass and says, "No." <laughs> yeah. Who do you think I am? Yeah. No. And and Cass again rolls his eyes and and shines the flashlight. He mans the flashlight himself, so. Yeah. He's really relying on Anael to notice if they come across this device that Joshua had. But right. Anael says even if they find it, God's not going to answer any calls they place. And we get a little bit more into her backstory here, that she was a vaunted apprentice. She believed in heaven and their cause, but when she got to Earth and she saw that there was so much hate and suffering taking place 
um, it wasn't God's paradise for his perfect people. He wasn't caring for them the way that she thought that he would. Yeah, yeah. And it really is just an echo of the disillusionment that we've seen in a lot of angels. Um, and NIL here is bringing back those views and sentiments that we haven't heard for a long while, which is that, um, so how about that God character? Doesn't seem to be the... (laughs) doesn't seem to be the loving father that we've heard so much about yeah haven't seen him around for a bit (laughs) and i also like that this is more insight into how she came into her character like when we were first introduced to her she's just this button pusher in heaven and she wasn't satisfied with it and we couldn't really tell why it just wasn't given to us and then we get more into it here that you know she was someone who was in a really prestigious place in heaven and she wasn't happy with it and she tried to pursue her own happiness when she became disillusioned with the goal that she had been given well she said that um she asked Cass, do you even know why I was, you know, I fell from grace, basically, within the hierarchy of heaven? And Cass says, well, I heard it was because you were offered more responsibility, but you turned it down. And at first, on first watch, I didn't really connect her story to what Cass said here. He mm-hmm. said, you were offered more responsibility and you turned it down. But what what I got from this was that the more responsibility that uh, NIL was offered was a presence on Earth as the conduit between heaven and Earth, as Joshua was, as I like to think Joshua was. I I don't really know. But she said that when she actually saw earth and all that earth was and it wasn't um what you know the angels of heaven thought it was uh, she she saw all the suffering and she questioned that suffering on earth yeah i like that you're bringing that up because my initial impression with the backstory that castiel was familiar with like the turning down the promotion mm-hmm. i felt like that could have just been spin you know like that was the tale that they told people outside of the know i wanted to tie it into her actual like responsibilities with joshua's position yeah i like that you did that and i think it was that she saw that her position required a hands-off policy and she just couldn't do it she said that god doesn't meddle but she does yeah and Cass is a little bit flippant about it. He says, and here I thought you were just performing miracles for the money. And Anael says, then you haven't been paying attention. I do it for myself. And, like, she doesn't need other people at this point. She says she's happy on her own. Yeah, yeah. You know what this conversation between Anael and Cass really gave me feels about? What's that? The first episode in this season, when Michael went to Anael and asked, what do you want? And he pointed out that she wants these simple human things. Mm. 
because here she is saying that she's fine on her own and she does things for herself. And Cass points out that it sounds lonely. And she is just saying we are all alone. And it made me think of in episode one, how we considered that she has lost so many of her brethren and heaven's basically empty right now and she stands alone and that this has been the perspective that she's gained. She's become very cynical with how things have played out because it sounds to me like she started as an optimist and then the world just beat her down. Yeah. She was an idealist and then the cards were just stacked against her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before she says that line on we're all lonely because we're all alone, she um, she has a little back and forth with Cass where Cass says, and you know what? By the way, God does meddle. God has helped. He brought me back. He 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 interfered with the apocalypse and, and helped the Winchesters defend mm-hmm. humanity. And NAL counters it to say, like, oh, boo fucking who. He, <laughs> uh, he helps one and then leaves millions to suffer. Yeah, exactly. He helps one and leaves millions to suffer. And what kind of man does that make him? Yeah. I also was doing a bit of connecting between Anael and Castiel because they are sort of mirrors to each other that they're both angels who questioned the grand scheme of heaven and came to earth and live amongst them. And we're just seeing sort of the divide between what it's like when you have faith in God. Like Cass has had resurrections multiple times at the hand of God. And so he feels very comfortable in saying that God is a good force. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Anael, who is also a fallen angel, who, I mean, she hasn't needed resurrections, obviously, but she hasn't seen any influence from God. She just sees what the absence means of it. And yeah. it it really was poignant to me to kind of consider that they're both very similar backstories, yeah. but the approach that they have and the way that they live in the world is so drastically different and just because of the act of one being that they're arguing the fucking morality of yeah because you know in season five Cass had severe doubts about god and his presence and what it meant and he got very cynical he threw away the samulet and he just didn't have faith in his father anymore and then his faith was restored yeah when he was resurrected from that death and 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 he spent the whole rest of the next season you know searching for god religiously feeling it had to mean something Right, right. I don't know. I just like that they are such nicely balanced counterpoints to each other, Anael and Castiel. Oh, I absolutely agree. And you and you said that, you know, Anael looks at the suffering of God's chosen people, the people on earth, uh, but also look at the suffering of her own people, her own family after the fall. Mm-hmm where they're lost and their dad isn't there to help them 
exactly and and there's no angels left she has there's there's nothing uh, there's a handful of angels left because they've all but gone extinct yeah and where's god and where's god that is the question lots of angel feels happening in this one scene here uh-huh next scene yeah Next scene, we start with Nick getting punched in the face. I'm like, best scene! (laughs) Oh, but I don't like to see Dean doing it, but... No. I mean, but he's got to be getting a little satisfaction out of this. But, 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 I just... It's fine. I won't get into my Dean hell torture feels Oh my god. I'm not. It's cool. It's cool. Oh my god. It's ten years past. We can... No. 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 Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. So Dean is questioning for Donatello's location and Nick just starts monologuing about how they're practically brothers thanks to Lucifer and Michael. And does he say that? Does he say practically brothers? Yeah. Really? I didn't catch that. And that's interesting seeing as where he brings this conversation at the end. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I just don't like this next bit that he says, like, we both know what it feels like to be hog-tied to a nuclear warhead. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. He just... He's spouting the same bullshit he, about how uh, the power changes you, and and he wants it back, and, and he says that, um, you know, once it leaves you, you're not the same. Yeah, you're irreversibly changed. You're now more than human. Yeah, yeah. He's saying uh, it changes you irreversibly and you're more than human. And here, you know, you were as of a god talking to Dean. um, But now look at you. You're just a lowly hunter being hunted and you don't even know that you've lost. Yeah, you're too stupid to see that you've been beat. And I think that also goes like you're too stupid to see what you've lost, like you said. Yeah. And Dean just scoffs at that and he says, "So, what do you think you've beaten me at?" Because as far as Dean sees it, he nicks the one uh, tied to a chair with a Yeah, nose. and he's the one who's off his rockers. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um and and Nick says, "I I want to see my son. Yeah. And then we cut to commercial and I'm so fucking mad because (laughs) I know that I screamed at the TV at that one. I was like, you're fucking what now? I know. I mean, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole right now, but it did open up this rabbit hole for me where it was like, imagine if Nick had embraced Jack from the get go. Like, what would that life been like? Yeah. In the bunker. You're right. You're right. We had Cass and Nick and Sam and Nick, but no Jack and Nick at all. This is the first time. Well, later, later, a little bit later, it's the first time that we have seen Jack and Nick in any sort of interaction at all. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just the phrasing that I found, like, okay, your son. Like, suddenly he's your son. I thought he was Lucifer's son. But I think it's going to show, again, that Nick just sees himself as Lucifer now. And even though Lucifer isn't in him, he's like, I am all prepped, ready to go. Like, I am that chair. Bring it on. 
So, so uh, the next scene, the next scene, we're in the war room with Mary, Jack, Sam, and Dean, and they're breaking it down here. And as you're saying, I'm standing with Dean on this, and Dean says, he's fucking, he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. We're, uh, we're off the fucking rails here. Yeah. And... He wants to see Jack alone, which Jack is okay with, but Mary is vehemently against. Yeah, so is Dean. And and Dean sees Sam considering it, and uh, Dean wheels on Sam and says, are you fucking serious? Yeah, but like where Sam is sitting is he's thinking about Donatello, and he's thinking about the guilt that he has that Nick has done this to Donatello. So he's yeah. saying that, you know, if it'll help us find him, and it'll be faster than the hacking. That's going nowhere. And is Nick yep. even a threat right now? Yeah. And that's the thing that Mary comments on is like, he's always a threat. Yep, yep. Uh, Sam is standing. Um, on the side of, you know, Donatello is in this position because of me. And while, you know, Dean and Mary are very much against this, uh, uh, Jack is kind of the deciding vote in that he says, uh, uh, Donatello is my friend and Donatello helped me and now he needs my help. And this is the only way that I can help him. Yeah, he sees this as a way to repay Donatello for his help. And Sam says, well, we don't really have another choice. This is what we got to go with. Yeah. And so that's what we do. We cut to Jack entering into the room where Nick is cuffed in a chair inside of a devil's trap. And Jack just cuts to the chase and Nick just comments on that right away saying, oh, that's your father, you realize. (laughs) And, 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 and Jack sticks with, my father was a monster mm-hmm. and, and Nick says, oh, we're all monsters. Even your three dads. Yeah. And how many innocents have they killed? He's yeah. just raising doubts as best he can. Oh yeah. But Jack continues asking after Donatello and Nick just, again, is cutting off saying, you know, Lucifer loved you, Jack. Like he, f- it was with his whole heart and Nick felt it when Jack uh-huh denied him jack broke his heart but that is the old you the one with a soul nick says i'm looking at you now you have or well what does he say i'm looking at you now but yeah well jack insists that he has a soul and he gets up in nick's face about it but it's like you say nick is just no i see nothing yeah he uh, he he does that little like pouty lip shrug like "Eh." Yeah, he seems really relaxed that he's the one in control in this conversation. Uh And indeed, Jack kind of lets loose a bit when he's up in Nick's face and Nick goes and headbutts him right smashing his nose. Oh, man. Ugh, I was like, that's blood everywhere. I did not know your nose was a blood pinata. Oh, it definitely is. It doesn't look like that, but yeah. Surprise! <laughs> oh, Jack gets real still after his nose is busted there. Like, a scary level of still. Exactly, because he was very, you know, emotional to this point. He was responding to every jab that uh, Nick was throwing at him, and he was getting riled up, and we see Nick, and we know that's what Nick wants, mm-hmm. and, and I'm like, no, 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 no! Jack but 
But then um, when when Nick does throw that headbutt, um, they both go very still. Yeah, it looks like Nick just stuck a fork prong into a socket and then stepped back real quick when he saw sparks come from it. Yeah. Like, oh, that might have been a line I crossed there. And Jack's actually pretty powerful. He could do some shit if he decided to. Yeah, yeah. And Jack's eyes glow with his power. And- yeah. He's healed himself and Nick really quietly, well, not quietly, but like, you good? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he backs off completely from that really aggressive antagonism that he was presenting before. Yeah. And like you say, Jack's eyes start to glow in response to that. And Nick just starts babbling apologies. Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of cut and we're leaving it as a question of, again, the narrative is telling us, like, do we have doubts in Jack's status with his soul? Yeah. But when we come back from commercial break, we have Sam, Dean, and Mary out in the hall. And Dean is flexing the fist that he was using to punch. Like he's just. Oh, really? Yeah. He's kind of shaking it out. And they all look up. They are eagerly awaiting Jack and just ask right off the bat, like, how'd it go? And Jack says that Nick will show them where to find Donatello. So he got the answers that they want, but he's not really confessing in them about what he had to go through in order to get it like Mm. this constant hammering of doubt on whether or not he has a soul whether or not he's the same as who he was before and and i mean we we don't go into it because it it it, it, we don't need to for the plot of the episode but (laughs) i just feel like if if i were the winchesters and jack came out of that room i would you know, the first question on my lips would be, what did he want? You know, what mm-hmm. did he want? Because because even Jack, I would be thinking, what did he even want? Like, I guess I guess I was sufficiently intimidating with the glowy eyes that he just, you know, confessed all. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like if all he wanted was to talk to you like that, these are Again, dramatic bitch disease has taken effect uh-huh. if he's willing to poison one of our friends just to have a chit-chat with you. And then end the chit-chat being bitchy. Yeah, the chit-chat was just nothing but uh, getting a jab in, you know? Yeah. So I feel like it would still fit in with Dean's being, okay, he's cuckoo for Cocoa yeah. Pops. Like, uh-huh. good on you for doing this, but my God. <laughs> so yeah, they're going to go to wherever Nick is pointing them to. Yeah. And this next scene begins with NAL tossing a doll aside in disgust. They're still in this Orlando's Emporium. And she has kind of taken some steps down this aisle and you hear this gross squelching yeah. noise. And she is 1000% done. She's like, I just stepped in a rat. I need to leave this place right now. Uh-huh. She says, I'm done. Goodbye. I yeah. have, I have guided you as well as I can. Goodbye. Yeah. And she just won't let Casket in two words edgewise about his quote unquote judgmental crap playing at her insecurities. And she makes a glib comment on the real reason that he's doing all of this. And 
Cass counters saying it's for Jack, but Anael says that he's afraid and calling God seems easier than admitting to Sam and Dean that Jack's soul is gone. Yeah. He'd rather go on this wild goose chase than go home, sit down with Sam and Dean and say, I have serious doubts about Jack's soul. Yeah, he's making that, you know, Hail Mary pass. Yeah. Oh, again, I sit there, I'm like, poor Cass. And I do like that Aniel had initially been couching this conversation as, I don't want you to do this so that I don't have to say this. Yeah. And you could see she has the moment afterwards where she almost kind of feels bad that yeah. she's done this. Like, she wraps up what she said by saying, I don't want to have that conversation, so we're just not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but but it's not harsh. It, she just, um, it's like you said, she almost feels bad about it, even bringing it up, because she sees that it really does affect Cass. And Yeah. It's too much bald truth for him to have. Like, uh-huh. she doesn't feel like she has that relationship with him. But she's gone to, okay, like that level five friendship where I'm going to tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing really more that they can do here. So she's kind of pressing, like, are we just going to call it a night? And she's picking up her purse and packing her things away. And she holds out her hand for her prize. Yes. She stops Cass from leaving. She wants her earrings first. Uh-huh. And uh, as she lifts her purse, it crosses sight lines with this necklace display. And Cass recognizes this one amulet that's hanging there, the buffalo skull. And he zooms in on it right away. <laughs> I zoom in on it right away. I practically crawl to the TV to look at it from six inches <laughs> away. I'm like, it's the amulet. <laughs> amulet hey well i knew it wasn't the same amulet you know mm-hmm. um so cassiel says uh wait that wait i recognize that and yeah. and and i was like this thing where, where did you see it the crystal store the dollar shop the rin fair like mm-hmm. she's like no way it's going to be this kind of like junk jewelry yeah it's a piece of junk and uh, Cass w- walks forward and he says, the one that I knew would glow in the presence of God, uh, but this is, this is, this is it. And, yeah. and me, I'm looking at it and I'm like, sorry, I just got real close to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm looking at it and uh, and I'm trying to scope out like, wait, is this because I don't remember what the fuck happened to the Samulet. I haven't seen it. And then Methuselah comes into the scene to say, good eye. Yeah, that's the one that Joshua forged. Yeah, himself after the angels fell. And um, as I was looking at it, it's not the same prop. It does look different. It's the same kind of bronze shape, but it mm-hmm. is a it is a very different uh, uh, figure than the original Samulet. Okay. So, um, uh, a supernatural prop warehouse. Like, I want it back. Give it to me. <laughs> you have one season left, and I know that we're going to be preying on nostalgia like nothing else. So. Oh, yeah. Come on. We're going to do that victory lap. <laughs> Throw me this bone, at least. I love the amulet. Anyways, 
Um, Methuselah says uh, he forged it after the fall, but it never worked. Well, not that it didn't work, but that Joshua didn't get an answer. And so there's only one way to find out if it actually talks to God. So Cass starts praying out loud with it in his palm. Yeah. Yeah. And he he just says, um, God, if you can hear me, Sam, Dean, I need your help. uh, And and please, please answer me. Yeah. And then it's here where Methuselah drops that. Nah, it never worked for Joshua either. Yeah. Nothing happens. We cut on this note yeah. of disappointment. Yeah. But we bring it back up because we go back outside with Cass and, but there is that little Sam and Dean thing in between. Yeah. There's been a couple little cuts here. We had one shot with Sam and Dean in the Impala and Nick in the back seat. And Nick is trying to be chummy with conversation and being like, boy, Jack sure got issues, right? And it's just dead silent. Like you can just imagine what this car ride is going to be like. Awful. Then the short scene that we're talking about where the Impala pulls up to a blockaded road and down which is the warehouse where Donatello is being kept. And Dean's going to go check it out alone, leaving Sam to watch Nick in the backseat. And we get a little line of, Sam's going to shoot you if you try anything. And if anything happens to Dean, then he's, (laughs) that's not going to be the worst that happens to you. Uh huh. Now we go to Castiel and uh, Nil outside of uh, outside of Orlando's Emporium, and it's daytime now. And and um, Nil says or asks, so sorry it didn't work out, but well, implied sorry it didn't work out. But she yeah. says, ah, oh, so what are you gonna do now? Yeah, she was kind of commiserating that she couldn't chew God out herself, but taking consolation in the fact that she's always right. And (laughs) when Cass kind of scoffs at this, uh, that's when she's doing like you said, what are you going to do now? And he's going to go tell Sam and Dean the truth. But after that, he has no clue. And so Cass hands over the earrings and she thanks him, says it's been swell. And she turns down his offer for a ride. Like, it's a little bit of a, it's a small gesture of camaraderie, I think. Just saying, like, we've been through a lot. And, you know, you have someone here if you want it. But she still is quite independent and just doesn't take it. I don't know. I don't know that she doesn't want, I mean, she does want it, though. And, And you talk about NIL being Cass's mirror, you know... Yeah, Cass does hold his heavenly family and home in very high regard. And and uh, we get the idea that, you know, for all of NIL's cynicism, you know, heaven is number one in her books. And there's more to her than meets the eye, you know? Yes. She does deeply mourn the loss of her brethren. And Cass said earlier, you know, it seems a lonely existence. And uh, NIL may have shrugged it off in the moment, but here now, um, Cass says, can I give you a right? He says, I'm going to go home. And then he says, can I give you a ride? And he's offering that hand, like, you don't have to be alone. He's saying, I want to bring you in. Well, you have a place here. Like, I have found a family and so can you. 
Yeah, yeah. And she she walks away from it. Yeah. Which I, I think fit her character well in the moment. Oh, absolutely. Because oh, yeah. she has built up this really firm wall between herself and others, and it's not going to come down in a day. And yeah. even as she's walking, Cass calls after her to, you know, it's a little playful. It's a little friendlier than I think just acquaintances because he's going, you know, you're wrong. You're not always uh-huh. right. We aren't alone. And she's kind of rolling her eyes like, why? Because we have each other. <laughs> And yeah, yeah, we do. Like, there is a joy in the fact that just because you're alone doesn't mean you have to be alone. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's the note that we end on them. It's kind of hopeful, but we're not done the show. So we now go to Jack and Mary at the bunker, and Jack is asking after Sam and Dean, you know, has there been any news? No. And she is in the library. She's looking through this shoebox that had been brought from Donatello's place. That is, I guess you would say evidence, like just things that they found. Yeah, she said she says things that were at the apartment, but actually none of this seems helpful. Um, and Jack zooms in on that same syringe that we saw earlier. He says, "This was Grace." Yeah, he can just feel it. He doesn't have to look at it to know. And Mary's not pinging the same frequencies, obviously. But he uses his powers and confirms that's the case. There is angelic grace in this syringe. And this really flips the script that they've had so far. Because Mary is now rushing off without a word. You can tell that she wants to try and get news to Sam and Dean. Yeah, yeah. She's going to call them because, as you said, Jack picked up the syringe and he says, can't you feel it? Like, this was filled with angelic grace, not the thallium that we had been told, but Yeah, and so if he's not poisoned, then what has the actual thing that's happened to Donatello been? Right, right. We've been played. Yeah. Uh, it's too late to really get word to Dean, though, because he's already left the Impala. He's approaching the warehouse through the snow, and he's now out of sight of the vehicle. And since he's gone, Nick starts serenading Sam and saying, like, <laughs> they, we're never alone. Like, it's almost being flirty. Like, he is pointing out, you know... Ugh, yeah, it's I'm... the same again. Embracing that Lucifer like uh, persona. Well, and to me, it was going back to episode one where we had heard that Nick had been having nightmares. He was barely a functioning human, and Sam was the one who was taking care of him. Like there was this three weeks there that yeah. Sam was helping him recuperate. And to me, this moment is just throwing that in Sam's face. Like, yeah. oh, we're never alone anymore. And just being flippant about it. Yeah, yeah. It's been so long. But then, you know, that flippancy kind of bleeds into a jealousy mm-hmm. because, uh, oh, well. We'll see in an upcoming scene. But yeah, Nick is serenading in the back seat, and Sam's phone rings. He is not taking this call while that singing's going uh-huh. on. So he steps outside to answer Mary on the phone. And... We briefly see Dean inside the warehouse where he has located Donatello. He unties him. But 
Um, when his back is turned to the door, we see that there's a face there. We've seen sort of figures moving outside yeah. of Dean's attention, his peripheral. And so we're like, okay, something's afoot here. And while Sam is on his call with Mary, Nick pulls a lockpick out from a cut in his wrist. I'm like, how fucking dramatic bitch disease do you have to be to embed that shit? Again, those 90 fucking... Yeah, Yeah, it's Hannibal Lecter pulling the piece of pen out of his mouth to pick the lock. Exactly. (laughs) Woof. And yeah, so he starts on the cuff as Sam is outside and just asking Mary, like, are you sure? And when he hangs up, he orders Nick out of the car at gunpoint and accuses Nick of lying about the poison. And Nick is dropping some information about profits here, saying that they're kind of like CB radios. Oh, yeah. Uh And so he was trying to communicate with Lucifer using Donatello. Me, I'm like halfway tuned out of this conversation because I'm just, shoot that motherfucker. (laughs) He's earned it at this point. Like, do you need to know why? But of course they do. Like, curiosity killed the cat. Uh-huh. Sam has has Nick pinned to the Impala at gunpoint. I'm like, shoot, 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 yeah. shoot, shoot, shoot. Yeah. And as soon as he hears that Nick was trying to talk to Lucifer, Sam gets shaken, but he's just oh, yeah. denying. He's saying, no, like, Lucifer's dead. He's in the empty. But Nick says Lucifer's awake. And, like, nobody says dead now. You know that, Sam. Uh-huh. Like, lampshading the whole fucking show in a nutshell. <laughs> season 15 be more of the same thank you but uh-huh. um, Nick used Donatello to find out how to bring Lucifer back and there's this little brief flashback of Donatello under the influence of Grace and it's Lucifer reciting that he'll need Jack's blood in order to do this spell yeah and Nick will need to prove himself in this ritual to bring him back whatever that means yeah but basically are you strong enough to be my man <laughs> exactly Sam lowers his gun from Nick like he's full on shook at this point and again we're getting so much like holy shit what has Nick been up to in like the past three episodes two episodes I don't know since 12 yeah It's been a while. It's been like five episodes then. It's been a while. Yeah. So Nick has had demons helping him, hiding him, which I'm like, you killed Abraxas's partner. Like you were being no friends to demons up to this point. But Nick says that the demons do want Lucifer back just as much as Nick does. Yeah. So thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so uh, with the help of uh, demons, Nick has got to where he is today, laying this trap for the Winchesters. Again, um, I don't know. I I liked Dean himself going into the warehouse and it was kind of a subtle callback to uh, Nick's, you know, the hunter and the hunted and you've already lost. Yeah. When he was talking to Dean directly. But. Yeah, that's you're too stupid to know you've been beat. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And because he is playing a psychological game with him, like 90s serial killer movie, quote, quote, uh-huh. quote. But he is playing like he is not all there so that they underestimate him. And that's where they get in so much trouble. And Mary was trying to reinforce, like, 
he's never safe. You can't yeah. just take for granted that you got him in cuffs. And haha, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The cuffs drop to the ground in this moment and they start a fight. Sam calls for Dean, but Nick is already on him. Yeah, we enter into this uh, rapid back and forth between the fight with Nick and Sam and um, Dean, after having released Donatello, he is ambushed by two demons. Yeah, demons bust into the room and start fighting Dean as well. So outside, Sam and Nick are just in a full throwdown. Nick is getting choked in the mud. And you can see Sam lets up. Like, he... He realizes that he... I mean, I don't know. So so we have this kind of prolonged scene of of Sam choking Nick in the mud. And it is a brutal Cain and Abel hands-on death. And, um... Yeah, and, there's blood dribbling from Nick's mouth and everything. And Sam almost comes back to himself in a moment and realizes, like, this is exactly what Dean warming against and Nick, you know, said that I was. Yeah. And so Sam lets up and Nick uses this opportunity to grab a rock that's nearby and slam him in the head with it. Uh And it is enough to disorient Sam and Nick tosses him into the side of the Impala and just starts taunting him. Oh, so this is the would-be perfect vessel for Lucifer. Like, this is where that jealousy is coming out. Yeah, exactly. This is where that jealousy is coming out, where uh, Nick is standing triumphant over a prone Sam. Yeah, and says, here's the would-be king, and I have bested you. I, I liked it, honestly. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a good moment. It was. It was an oof moment. Yeah, it was a, I'm like... 1993, Scar versus Simba doing, like, his (laughs) emotional game against him. And you have Sam on his back foot. He he was getting choked by Nick in this moment, but he manages to break free and he retreats. He locks himself in the Impala and he's reaching to hit the horn to get Dean's attention. And Nick is just shouting and hitting at the window, just taunting him again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, we're back in the warehouse with Dean fighting these two demons. And you know what? I know that I didn't mention to you in Discord, like when the episode aired, I'm like, I really lost track of that warehouse fight. Um, I didn't know what was going on. And I realized now on the rewatch what it was. So for one, I didn't know where Donatello was or even what side <laughs> Donatello was on. Like, I, I, uh, there you didn't know some... if you could trust him or not. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't know if he was influenced by Lucifer or the Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I was very wary of Donatello, who was standing offside this whole fight. But also, we had two demons, and um, and I was having trouble keeping track of who. Like, who was who on that? Yeah, because they all have similar colors in their wardrobe. They all have similar looks. But I realized why I was really confused coming out of the fight. And and it was that um, Dean was confronted by two demons. But in the final cut of this episode, I don't know what what happened but uh we only see dean best one of the demons 
Well, we see one of them get stabbed and then we see another one essentially knocked unconscious, like tossed aside. Uh, Dean clears the room and um, he urges Donatello to follow him outside. Yeah, yeah. We heard the horn, you know, there's been some sort of alarm raised outside. So Dean has gone running back to the car. And when he gets there, Sam is disoriented by his head wound. He's falling Uh out of the Impala and he's calling for Dean. And Dean rushes to him with a Sammy. And Sam's clearly struggling even with his breathing. And Dean is freaked out. He's he's not good. And and Nick gets nowhere to be seen. Nick no. is gone. No. We only get to see him in this next scene. We get a brief glimpse of him flagging down a passing truck on some road that's not too far, I'm assuming. Uh-huh. He's run, cut through the woods, and this vehicle slows down for him. So he just grabs the driver and throws him out of the vehicle and then just speeds off in this powder blue Ford truck. <laughs> Nick is gone. Dean doesn't know where he is, but he can't pursue him because Sam's hurt so badly that Dean won't move him. And he is on the phone. He's on the phone phone. with Mary. Yes. Yeah, he's he's on the phone with Mary and he's saying, um, uh, Nick's gone, but Sam is hurt. We call the ambulance and we see, we actually see Donatello behind uh, Dean on the phone. Yeah. And, um, and Dean is saying to Mary, uh, uh, I, I, it's bad. It's bad, mom. And again, yeah. it's like he my says, heart is it's breaking. It's not good, mom. It's really bad. Like just the yeah. way that he says it. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, that's the crisis moment right there. Breaking my heart because he, because Dean is, he's really, like you said, crisis mode. Yeah. And it's this bad. is worst case it scenario. Is bad. Like he left Sam alone with Nick and he's come back and Nick is gone and Sam yeah. is struggling to just be alive. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh man. We yeah. see that powder blue pickup truck uh, pull up to this, this, uh, cabin in the woods and uh, then we have uh, Nick bare fist breaking a window pane on He's the front so door. He's so lord. I know. I was so mad that he didn't have this big chunk of glass in his knuckles for that. Mm-hmm. But but he opens this cabin and he's searching the place and he's like uh, basically okay this will do. He's setting up a fucking ritual. He's got the salt. He's got the bowl. He's got the shirt, the bloody shirt that Jack did bleed on. And we saw uh, Nick give it a look. Yes. And he had said, I, I don't know if we mentioned it, but he did say to Sam that uh, Lucifer told uh, Nick uh, how he could be resurrected and he needed Jack's blood to do it. But Sam is so out of it that he has not told Dean that, so Dean doesn't know to tell Mary. But we have Lucifer setting up this ritual and um, he takes that shirt and he sets it in the bowl in the salt circle and he sets it on fire and he starts chanting. And then we cut to Jack and Mary in the bunker and Jack doubles over in excruciating pain and he says... It feels like my blood is burning and Nick has it. Yeah. And so Mary realizes that this was all about getting Jack. 
getting close to him, getting some of his blood. And Jack says, I can feel him. And Mary asks where Nick is. And so Jack answers that he can get them there, but he needs to use his powers to do it. And here he is still asking for permission. And Mary just says, go for it. Like... I, I, I did like that because I don't even know how much Mary knows about what, you know, Sam and Dean asked Jack to do in this in the last episode. Uh, don't go into the woods. Um, but they asked him not to use his powers unless he had permission because they wanted him to be safe with them. And here Jack is even outside of the circle of people who he did promise to ask permission to use his powers for. And he's asking permission and, and when he's granted it, um, by Mary, he brings Mary and Well, let me not get ahead of myself. What happens next? (laughs) So when Mary gives him the go-ahead, we cut back to Nick chanting. And this oily-looking rift opens up inside of this abandoned cabin. And a skeletal figure that's all black with these peeking through spots of glowing grace Uh and red eyes. It steps out. And it has these writhing wings that are outstretched. And here we have Lucifer, not in the flesh, but like in the fucking building. Terminator Lucifer. And I know Mm -hmm. that when I saw him emerge from that portal, and I know he reaches for Nick, and Nick says, take me, your perfect vessel, let me, like let me make me strong again make me yeah and yeah lucifer's reaching out like a caress Uh Mm uh-huh uh-huh but jack shows up yeah but when i first saw lucifer here i was like oh no but 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 it's short-lived yeah i honestly really dug the design that they went with here because it felt a little bit ominous and like I didn't have the relationship with SPN's Lucifer uh-huh. throughout the years. And so I felt like it was a bit more of a elevated threat. Like, oh, it's not just Mark P being a sass machine. It, here is this fallen angel creature. It had a little bit more emphasis on it than I had seen from it before. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I I liked the that design better the second watch than I did the first. I was still like, the Terminator Lucifer. <laughs> but it was also my own bias, for yeah. sure. But, oh my god, Jack. Yeah. Jack appears in this moment with Mary, and as Lucifer's doing that caressing reach, whatever, Jack just has his arm outstretched, and he tosses his hand towards where that rift is open and it just slams the door on Lucifer. He gets sucked back in and that rift closes and it's gone. Oh yeah. And Nick screams at Jack, no, what did you do? But Jack immediately turns on Nick and does the thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nick is irate. He's upset. And Jack just begins breaking Nick's hand. He uses oh his God. powers to fucking make balloon animals out of it. And then that's not enough. He begins burning Nick from the inside out. 
all the while slowly yes burning nick out we are going slow cooker levels from low to high and as you said all the while we have a mary in this like kind of muted echoey this like disconnected background um having mary call to well she's demanding that he stop it yeah Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. At first she says, Jack, Jack, stop, Jack, yeah. stop. And then and then she gets definitely more firm and she says, Jack, stop it now. Yeah. It but increases he in urgency. Yeah. It's yeah. not enough. Nick convulses no. and Jack drops Nick's dead body to the floor. And he yeah. still is lightly poached. He's steaming a little bit. Oh, my gosh. You're the worst. But- <laughs> and... I think I'm doing fine. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. Uh, Yeah, I mean it. I mean it in the good way. (laughs) I'm sorry. It is grossy, though. No, I mean it's it's shocking, is what it is. (sighs) It's just the shocking death, especially to see uh, Jack as the one playing executioner mm-hmm. and and we as the viewer are standing with mary to say jack stop it because are we it's are okay okay <laughs> this is okay the, this is again those moments where you're like oh yeah it was such a bad thing oh yeah i know i agree but can i be salty <laughs> for a minute <laughs> uh, well i mean i'm gonna have to stand with uh I'm going to have to s- stick with my guns here and say that it it really was this um oh man it's just hard it's hard because I I would say that I was standing with Mary here you can but- sit there as two places okay there is me as the viewer who is connecting with my characters and is like basically given the choice of do I empathize with Jack or do I empathize with Mary? And Uh it, it definitely is like Mary sitting there with you. It's the more shocking thing that's happened in this season. And like, especially for it to come from Jack, but there's also me, the viewer who is tired of Nick and is just like camera rolling. You're doing great, sweetie. I'm your mom. (laughs) I love you so much. You're doing like, this is the best performance Ever. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I am satisfied with this end for Nick and for Lucifer, um, if it is some sort of end for Lucifer, um, which I am not sure of, and I don't really want to get I'm into hoping, right but now. we never know. Uh, we just kind of slam the door on him, but he is still awake in the empty. I don't want to. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it later. But yeah. Um, but we have Jack here who, uh, and I really do feel it's from a place of sympathy for Jack where I don't like to see, like, I didn't like to see Dean earlier in this episode, um, wailing on Nick, 
wailing on Nick in the fucking dungeon. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to decide where to bring up my Sam and Jack parallels. I think I'm going to wait to the next scene. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So, so how about this next scene? Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I want I want to hear. I want to hear where we have um we cut out on this just burnt out Lucifer. Sorry. This, this burnt steaming out pile of Nick. Yeah. And and then we cut to that just fraught scene where we have um sam battling for consciousness on the ground while uh dean is trying to keep him aware yeah dean is pushing a cloth against sam's head wound and he's trying to tell sam it'll be okay and sam's breathing is turning raspy and here's i'm like i i told you at the start game night okay Dean here going, we're going to play a little game. Oh, no! Guys, it's not an episode unless there's a wall of five seconds of fucking (laughs) clipping that we have to edit down. What the fuck? I, I was like, I don't even think it was intentional on their part, but me sitting here, I was like, the episode's called Game Night. We were going to have Winchester's playing games, but instead we had Nick playing mind games, and then we're ending on Dean sitting here being like, we're going to play a little game, Sam. Like, count after me, repeat after me. And I'm like, wow, this was not the game night I was expecting. But it is the Winchester game night. Yeah, this sounds more like their alley, right? Like, we're going to play a game that keeps you alive. And if you don't win, you lose. Literally. Jesus! I'm sorry, but I was... I I wrote it down. I underlined it. I was like, fuck. Here's my my Tumblr essay right here. We're going to play a little game. I hate it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. He is trying to get Sam to count along with him, but Sam is just struggling. He can't. And Sam rasps out that Dean always put him first. Like, he has next to no energy left at this point. He is fighting for everything that he's got. And he wants to make sure that Dean knows, like, your whole life. I I recognize this. I see this. And Dean's just trying to shush him. But Sam is still fighting to tell him this. I don't want to get into it too much, but it's like, it's like, so let's look at this as Sam's final words. He's trying to, he's trying to reassure Dean. Yeah. And, and let's tie this into uh, Dean's final words or Dean's goodbyes to, to Sam in Profit and Loss when he was in the Apollo with Sam and he was saying he was making his apologies and he was trying to say, mm-hmm. I know I wasn't always there for you. And when I wasn't, I just want you to know it wasn't necessarily by choice. It was that, you know, dad would send me away, but I tried, but I couldn't meet yeah, I couldn't protect you from everything. Yeah. And here is Sam's counterpoint being like, you always put me first. I recognize this. I, You have nothing to feel like you're lacking. You, you've done everything and I recognize it and I love you for it. Yeah, yeah. So I was... Oh man, and, and, and Dean, he is just begging. Um, he 
he starts cracking and you can see he's he puts on the performance like when in doubt he puts on this little smile and he's just like no like we're this isn't what's happening this is going to be fine like he's doing his best to reassure sam in this moment yeah yeah we do a quick cut back to Jack and Mary and Jack. See, this is where, this is where I'm at, where Jack is looking satisfied in his, you know, he defeated the mm-hmm. bad guy and Mary is just looking sick. Yeah. Mary looks really shaken. And when she is stepping away from Jack towards Nick, she's doing it without turning her back towards Jack. Oh, And Jack senses that something's off with her. And so he insists that he had to do this. Like, Nick had to die. And Mary sidesteps the situation by telling Jack to help Sam. Like, yeah, it's kind of a, okay, like, go leave the room. Like, it, the... She needs a moment. She very obviously needs a moment. Yeah. Like, to me, this is, my analogy would be with you had something really precious at your house and it broke, like it fell on the floor and the kid knocked it over. And so now this is the parent being like, okay, go get the broom. And when the kid's out of the room, the parent can have a moment to just be like, fuck, like, oh. Yeah. And then when the kid comes back, you have your face back on, you go, no, it's okay. We're going to clean it up. But you get that moment where you're so close to the event and you need to have your own reaction, but you know it's going to hurt the other. So you try and usher them away. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, Sam's dying. So please go check on that. (laughs) No, but I, I, I definitely got that vibe that she was sending him away. Yes. Um, and I love that analogy that you just laid out because that's the exact feeling that I feel we're going for here. Yeah. I think, like, she still wants to be loving and to understand, but she just can't in this moment. No, she is very shaken. And 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 uh, we, we have... Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Dean and fucking Sam. Um, again, my heart is just... Ugh. We're back with Dean and Sam, and Sam stops breathing. Yeah. He's gone and limp, and he's not reacting to Dean, like, gently slapping his cheek. But <laughs> uh, we get a flap of wings, and, and Jack is there. And Jack is, you know, I don't know. I can't yo-yo on this soullessness issue, because I don't think that Jack is soulless. I don't I mean, think so either. No, and I think that they're viewing. I think that the narrative is viewing it as very black and white. Um, but... I I go back to Donatello's question. Like, well, first we must ask, what is a soul? Like, you have Donatello standing there yeah. on the phone with an ambulance with zero percent soul. And you guys are, like, staring there at Jack being like, oh, my God, what if he has only, like, 50%? What if he only has, like, 10%? Like, Uh what does it mean? I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, but that's it. Because we have Jack coming into the scene. And he wants to, one part wants to impart the good news about how he defeated the evil monster. Yeah, he's bolstered. He's confident. He's all fluffed up, I would say. Yeah. But he sees Sam and he he is genuinely worried. Yeah. I would say. I would think so too. He drops to his knees at Sam's side and he heals uh Sam's head wound. Yeah. And Sam gasps for breath. Yeah. 
back Gasps. his his breath and um uh, fucking Dean control oh. your fucking face oh. I have written here that Dean stumbles to his feet and he turns away to compose himself yeah he does but it's such a small moment but at the same time you're like holy shit there is a lot happening faces Dean, as as Sam comes back to himself, it, we see him break in front of Sam, still kneeling at Sam's side. We see him stand up, turn away, compose, turn back. But but Sam Sam's okay, and he a- actually asks Jack, uh, uh, "What about Nick?" Because yeah. Sam couldn't put him down. So what happened to Nick? And Jack says. I, I stopped him. It's okay. I stopped him. And Sam says, and and mom? What about mom? And Jack just has a serenity come over him. And he says, she's fine. Uh, everything is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And he flaps away. Yeah. That's the note that he leaves them on. Yeah. And and we're back at the cabin. Yeah. And uh, Mary is is standing alone in this room with a dead Nick. And and, and you know what? We've been talking about Nick as dead. But I do know that on the initial rewatch, you weren't sure that Nick was dead. No, no, no. It's the other way around. I no. said he was dead and you weren't sure. Really? Yeah. I have the tapes. <laughs> So, so I wasn't sure that Nick was actually toasted. Yeah. I, I can see that. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll let it go. But yeah. So Mary, Mary is, um, is just standing where she was and or does she go outside? Sorry. Here, Mary steps outside of the cabin You're and right. she's clutching her hair. She's just overwhelmed as she breathes, trying to compose herself. Right. Mary, it, we cut back to that cabin and Mary is, uh, stepping outside and she is just almost as dean breaking under this um yeah like what do i do and and then we get that flap of wings and jack appears behind her and she is immediately as you said she she doesn't know what to think she just doesn't know what to think she faces jack but she won't let Jack approach her. She's... Well, one thing I would mention is that when Jack returns, he's smiling. Like, he oh, just yeah. seems like everything's fine. Exactly. And he lets her know that, he, I, I healed Sam. Everything's going to be okay. Like, he's repeating the same refrain with her that he did with Sam and Dean. Right, right, right. Jack has this little smile on, and, and he says everything's going to be okay. And... I, I, but he steps forward. What, what caught me is that he steps forward as he says that. And then Mary, not turning her back on him, she steps back as, as the single step that Jack steps forward. Yes. And Jack stops and he says, um, well, to not cut you off, but yeah, like the way that Mary's face is changing here, like she's shoring herself up. She tries to answer Jack's positivity you know here's the good news about sam and she's like okay good but she just has trouble retaining her smile and that's what jack is really now things are extra pinging bad for him and that's when he steps towards her and she backsteps right right jack here starts insisting 
about how he was right in what he did with Nick. Yeah, he says he had to do it, and it, and it was the right thing to do, and Nick had to be stopped, and um, he was a bad person. He was a killer. Right, right, right. And when he says that he had to be stopped, Mary goes, "Not like not that." Not like that. Yeah, yeah. And Mary says, "Not like that," and. We see that Jack doesn't really understand, and he's coming closer forward. But... Yeah, he's hardening when he hears her say yeah. that, and he counters that Nick deserved it. And Mary, you can see, doesn't really want to get into it. She's just saying, okay, like, can you take me home? She just yeah. wants to go home. But first, Jack wants her to say that it's okay. And, like, this energy... This vibe that was going on from Jack here, I'm like, oh my god. This whole scene, I was just supposed to say, so we're going through the scene, but we're not really, like, giving credence to the, like, level of of fucking tension that's racketing mm-hmm. up this whole scene. Mm-hmm. It's, I was, I was holding my breath this whole scene. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and like this little bit here where Mary asks to go home and Jack's yeah. like, but first we're going to do this. Like it, it gives me those vibes that you have when like you've been cornered by a stranger at a bus stop and he won't stop talking to you even though you're showing disinterest and you're like, can I, like, you don't say it, but like, can I go now? And you can just, no, I have more things to talk to you about. Like, you right. feel like they're in control of your environment. Right. And you're right. at their whims and you're like, oh, cool. Now I have to start appeasing this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jack gives a little nod and he says, uh, I-, I will, I will, but first... Um, he says, just, just tell me it's okay. And we talk about him seeming to corner Mary into the situation, but with this line, you know, I was feeling very anxious, but with this line, just, just tell me it's okay. When he says that, when Jack says that, Mm -hmm. I, I, I do melt a little bit, uh, I personally, I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but I I felt like it was a vulnerability, more like a child exactly. making demands exactly. rather than a threat making demands. Exactly. Because Jack asked for permission to use his powers. Yes. And they were in these moments of danger and he took care of the threat. And so just tell me it's okay. Like, tell me I did good. Like, we're all alive at the end of the day. Nick's dead. Please tell me that's enough. Like, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the writing in this episode, it's so fucking real and solid. It's so solid. Because us, as the viewer, when with this one line, we transition from this is a threat to this is a child yeah just tell me it's going to be okay we have that knife's edge yeah and it is a knife's edge it is a scary place to be 
but you get um, both of those energies and it's like holy shit like it you just feel danger and empathy and fear like yeah yeah but 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 uh, we had mary stepping away from jack thus far but with that one line it's a switch flipped to um she goes sympathetic. She her face softens and and she battles with herself for a moment on should I lie or should I tell the truth? But when Jack says just tell me it's okay, um she ultimately lands on it's it's not. Yeah. It's like she's taking his vulnerability here and deciding to meet him as an adult and yeah. tell what she sees as the truth. And oof. and then she goes back to sympathetic where she says, it's not your fault. She immediately follows with, it's not yeah. your fault, but there is something that we have to do about this. Yeah, something and, is wrong. Yeah, and something is wrong. That's not what Jack needs to hear. Yeah. He says, no, no, I'm not wrong. You're wrong. Uh, he was a bad guy he was the monster and he needed to be stopped and and again mary says she's repeating the sentiment of not like that she says the jack that i knew would never have done that yeah so the argument that's happening here jack is trying to insist nothing's wrong and like she's the one who's not reacting right because sam and dean were grateful when he yes saved them. And Mary counters that if Sam and Dean saw what he did, they would be as worried as she is. Yes. And Jack's face just falls at this. It's like he's realizing, oh, this is something now that is going to go beyond us. Sam and Dean, if they find out. Because he asks, like, are, are you going to tell them? And yeah. Mary answers that he needs help, so they'll help him. They're his family. And she tries reaching out to touch his arm, but Jack is not comforted by it. And he shakes her off, just saying, you can't. Yeah, you can't. You can't. Because he has been building this this shell around himself of, I'm fine. It's fine. Nothing's wrong. I've been um, given tools. You know, what would the Winchesters do? Yeah. I follow that and I'll be okay. And it's all about to fall down around me. You can't. You can't tell them. And, um... And yeah. and Mary and Mary again. She's no longer afraid of Jack. And Mary now she thinks knows where she stands with Jack, and she's trying to both reassure him and um, be honest with him on on what she thinks he needs. Like she has been saying, like she is worried, and now she's saying, "You need help, and we can help you. We're family." She reiterates. Yeah, uh, we can help you. I think she's really trying to get Jack to feel that it's okay to be vulnerable, that they care about him and this is a safe place to break, essentially, because yeah. they're going to catch the pieces. They're going to help him put it together. But Jack is still trying to be that independence that we were seeing in Peace of Mind that we saw last episode where he's doing his own things and making his own decisions. Like, I really feel like Jack is 
maybe not being portrayed in this transitional phase, but he is moving from that sheltered place as a child to becoming someone that now has to deal with this world of gray spaces. Like, the bad guy is the monster, and we put down monsters. Like He has yeah. these really rigid rules that he's trying to live his life by, but it's breaking down, and he's trying to figure it out on his own. And we have Mary as um, Jack is walking away from Mary and he's saying, no, no, no. Um, We have Mary following him now, not stepping away from him, but following him to say, sweetheart, she says, listen to me. Just listen. Like, we're here to help you. I want to help you. I just want to, I like, just talk to me, Jack. She says, listen. And, And through all of this, Jack is shutting down getting increasingly agitated. He just wants to get away. He's just quickly growing overwhelmed by the consequences of this conversation, how he can't seem to escape it. And it, he stumbles off and he's clutching his head and he's demanding to be left alone. But Mary's pursuing him, asking what's happening. Like she's worried about him. Yeah. And he's hyperventilating. He's hardly able to concentrate. And when Mary steps in front of him asking what's wrong, he shouts, leave me alone. And his eyes glow and we cut to black with a lone word said in the dark. Mary? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I I have a gamut of things I want to run through on this. Um <laughs> Sure. I, I'm sorry. I'm like I refuse to feel this on an emotional level. Let's carry on. <laughs> No, it's fine. I was about to be like, "Okay, so guys, see you next week." <laughs> huh? No, no, I'm not letting you go because I had my Jack versus Sam feels Okay, let's hear him. Well, because Sam had Nick pinned in the mud and he was choking Nick and he had the opportunity to kill Nick. And he took the moment to step back. He wouldn't do it. Yeah. And then we have Jack completing what needed to be done, essentially. Because what were you going to do with Nick? What was the end game with Nick if it wasn't death? Because we've seen he's escaped police custody. Yeah. He sows chaos everywhere he goes. He has demons who are working or at least amicable to him. So Nick remains as a threat and Sam couldn't go through with killing him. But Jack did. And it just was in this overly cruel way. Now the overly cruel way aside, the I like I I feel that because I also thought it was a very brutal thing. But um as far as you know, the black and white we talked about monsters this episode yeah. where where Nick said we're all monsters. Um, and we have Jack now saying he deserved it. Um, and, and it reminds me of, you know what, it, you know what it reminds me of is this throwaway line in Ouroboros when, in the opening scene of, um, well, 
in one of the opening scenes of Ouroboros, we have uh, everyone investigating the the monster that's doing these um, these crimes, um, killing these people and cooking their organs, and uh, and we have Sam and Dean and everyone saying like, okay, so we don't know what it is. And we have Jack who says, well, even if it's not a monster, any, anything that can do this is a monster. Exactly. And he has this box where bad people sit. And Dean shrugs and says, yeah, I feel you there. But here where Jack said, uh, uh, he deserved it. Uh, it just it just reminded me of this kind of black and white view that Jack mm-hmm. has. He's shifting from the child view of there's yes and no, like this dichotomy. And he is still trying to learn. Like he's learning. He's in the process of learning the gray liminal space between things. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to go back on this, like, when Mary realizes that she's dealing with a kid, not an adult. Like, uh-huh. I I really hesitate to say she even realizes that she's dealing with a child. Because the moment where things go completely wrong is when he says that Nick needed to be stopped and Mary answers not like that. And... That's where it starts going off the rails, but it's really when she decides to approach him as an adult and tell him that it's not okay. That's really the thing that I'm like, oh, Mary, you missed the spot right there because you're not dealing with an adult. You're dealing with a kid. You're dealing with the kid who asked for permission to use his powers, who did what he saw as necessary to remove a threat from his family. And some of that is also like, what would the Winchesters do? He is looking for confirmation that he still is within the scope of their world. (gasps) You're so right. Oh my god, yes. And I was thinking of the last time that... Jack was in a position like this where someone had died as a result of his powers. It was in Tombstone. He accidentally killed the security guard there. And afterwards, he was really racked with high emotions. Like, he had to escape. He was basically like, I need to flee and think about what's gone on. And so to me, that speaks that Jack gets in a really vulnerable, high-emotion place after an event such as this. But Mary doesn't know that. She wasn't here for Tombstone. She doesn't have any of that experience. And so she doesn't realize the caliber of his reactions. Uh And we see it escalate quickly for him, where he is so overwhelmed and just scrabbling, holding his head and just needing to have his space and unfortunately she doesn't know to give it to him when jack said just tell me it's okay and i never put it in the context of what would the winchesters do but really it is here is jack saying i he's asking am i still within the bounds of 
yeah the right human path yeah um, am i able to tell the right call yeah yeah and he's asking did i make the right call and and when mary said no it's not okay um i i and then that's when my anxiety went from like a level five to a level fucking nine yeah. because I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. That's not what you say in this moment. Exactly. Go back to what you were doing and ask to go home and appease the fucking possibly soulless archangel. Like, Oh, that that's just it. That she believes that being honest in this moment is the important thing to do but i'm uh-huh. like you guys all constantly forget you are dealing with a child yeah he just because he is in an adult sized rapper does not mean that he has 20 grown up 22 years of experience in forming like, yeah. the nuances of his life. He doesn't have it. He leans on you guys. And it's such a slap to hear. No, it's not okay. You're not I know. okay. It was. It was. It was. You know, when I first saw this episode, um, yeah, I was kind of, you know, I said, no, Mary. And, um, and I feel a little differently now. But mm-hmm. it is still just this. <sighs> yeah, it's a like, gas. We're, we're sitting here being like, how could you avoid it? You know, it's not that Mary did anything outlandish. No. No. She was like, I'm dealing with this family member who I see as an adult and I trust to understand that I care for them. And she just didn't have the knowledge of how Jack would react. But also, looking at Jack or looking at Mary, uh, you can't do everything exactly right. No. And and that this whole sequence of events is just this comedy of errors where everything went exquisitely wrong. Yeah. They're not... They have cross signals. They're not speaking on the same level with each other. Yeah. And that leads to this miscommunication that leads to this trouble and this escalation that Mary? Mary? Yeah, we we could go down the road of like what what ifs that this question uh-huh. the questions that were raised at the end of this episode, but I mean Tune in next week for absence. <laughs> oh my god. This the end to this episode. It was I mean, we talked about it for literal hours at the yes. end of this episode. It, it it we ended on that Mary? Yeah. And the fact that what Jack said was leave me alone. Like yeah. that wasn't like you're dead to me. That wasn't... Oh, my God. I can't. No, I can't. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. The second you said dead, I was like, nope. No, I'm noping out of this one. No. Yeah. No. No. We we are left in the literal dark when it comes to Mary. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I, I, we, we definitely had 
So many thoughts and even different thoughts on what was going to follow from this episode. Yes. Um, but uh, I, I don't think that we can honestly discuss those things um, outside no. of now here. Yeah, knowing. It, it goes back to that shock, like that surprise yeah. versus suspense. And exactly. we aren't in the surprise place anymore. We can't. I mean, we could try and recreate it, but it's not going to ring with the complete sincerity. So I do think um, we'll get into it next week, sort of, where oh, the yeah. gray area was that we were left in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So. <laughs> so, so, Remy. So, don't so Remy me. Paper, rock, scissors for who goes first for final takeaway. <laughs> It's rock, paper, scissors. That's what I what said. The f- what the fuck did you just say? I no, said rock, sa- paper, scissors. No, no. I'm. I, you said rock, scissors, paper. Fuck no, I did not. Rock, paper. No, you said rock, paper, scissors. scissors. Rock, paper, yeah, scissors. That's not rock, what you paper, said. Scissors. I have the fucking archives. I will go back. I, I am editing this episode. I know I you are. Prove you wrong. You said scissors, paper, rock. I hope to fuck I did not because rock, paper, scissors is the right way to say it. You didn't say it. You didn't You don't say have it. to do this to me. I'm not I crazy. I fucked up saying cheeses instead of cheesies. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you do this. So I'm just constantly on blast. I win this round. <laughs> what? Mm. B, what's your final takeaway? Oh, I'm like, Remy's mean. That's what <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> I have this fucking fly on me. I was like, oh, you're just blowing raspberries now? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you go first now. <laughs> You can't even be scandalized. You earned this. I'm doing the Elle Woods like, heart grab. <laughs> Anyways, um, the final, uh, it's, it's really hard to do a final takeaway from this episode because so much of the final takeaway for this episode, for me personally, um, projects into the whole rest of this season. Mm-hmm. So where I'm sitting here is that, um, and I feel like this is cheating a little bit because I, I, I watched this episode and, and we had that big shock factor of the last uh, 30 seconds. And um, then that was, you know, kind of what you take away from the episode. Like I said, we talked for hours on what does it mean mm-hmm. the but, implications that are carrying from here yeah but the rewatch i actually saw a lot in this episode that as i said at the very top end here um this is the beginning of the end yeah this is our rising action our setup and um, it was written so well that we don't even realize it until it smacks us in the face. But if we were to go back and look at the clues, it all coalesces in this yep. just fucking perfect act one. God bless of, Meredith. You did so well. Of the finale, you know? Yes. 
Do you feel that? I- I'm not going to talk about it, but I will. I will, <laughs> listeners. I promise. I um, love this episode. I didn't love this episode. Well, I did like this episode. I liked it. It was like, oh, this is an episode. But now on the rewatch, I love this episode. Yeah. When you can appreciate the suspense that was being built in. Yes. Um, I would say if I was doing a takeaway, it would probably, again, the crystal clarity that I think of with this episode is those final 30 seconds, like you say, like (laughs) the confrontation between Jack and Mary and just how it's all going wrong. Like, yeah, they're both trying to do right. Like no one is actively wishing harm on each other and yet they're hurting each other. And it's so real and it's so painful to see. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm going to, okay, that one's a given, then I would say I would put my takeaway with just Anael and Castiel and the soft sort of glimpses that we get to see into what it's like for angels on earth and the backstories that we haven't really heard of before. We get more from Anael and she becomes a really sympathetic figure because here she is with doubts. She is fallen. She's cast down from her original role. And she didn't get the glory that cast it. She didn't get the spotlight. And you can see just how much different her life is and how much more of a struggle she has with these big questions that Cass can kind of just have faith in that God is on Uh her side. I really liked this because it was, um, I don't know. Again, I can't get into it. I really, really no. want to. You, but you got me. You were like, you can't say it in earlier episodes, so you, you can't <laughs> do it either, Remy. The NIL and Castiel thing, it was more angel content than I feel we've gotten since season eight, you know? And it wasn't even like, heaven angel content it was here are two angels on earth and their reactions to sort of the tales that they had in heaven versus the reality they have on earth Uh, this whole season this episode last episode and a couple episodes before have been knocking it out of the park Mm -hmm. with um when we do use Cass, we use him better than we had before yeah agreed and nil like i'm so sorry i'm hun baby sweetie pie i'm so sorry that we did what we did to you in season 12 like it's 13 no no it was 12 no it was 13 nil was only introduced last year hun sweetie (laughs) i'm sorry is this a scissors paper rock thing yeah no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, but we're cor- correct in course, and I actually like it a lot. Yeah. Here's to more in the final season. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that was season 14, episode 17, Game Night. Yeah. And next week, we'll be covering season 14, episode 18, Absence. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And as always, you guys can reach out to us on social. We're on Tumblr at No Chick Flick Podcast. 
and on Twitter at NoChickFlickPod. We also have our website, NoChickFlickPodcast.com, and you can also see our transcripts there or on our AO3 account. We have it both there. Uh, reach out to us, uh, like, subscribe, uh, and review wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we see everyone, we love everyone, and it really helps us get out there. Uh, and we uh, always appreciate hearing from you guys. Yeah, we're just happy you guys are here. So we'll see you next week. See you guys next week. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, this apartment's haunted anyways. I'm fine with it. Like, <laughs> oh, no. B, you're going to give me a thick idea. Don't do that. Oh, please do. <laughs> no, no. Cut this shit. We're not on the podcast anymore. Remy, what thick idea do you want? No. <laughs> no. Hey. Oh, no.